Payback Time is a podcast about building businesses, wealth, and financial freedom. We try to uncover the challenges our guests faced, the mistakes they made, and the steps they took to achieve their goals. The overall objective is to provide you with a roadmap that leads to your own success. Sean Tepper is your host. Are you ready? It's Payback Time. The key isn't downloads. The key is ROR, otherwise known as return on relationships. Podcasting is turned into one of the most powerful tools to network and promote your brand. The challenge most people face is the fear of getting started. Fortunately, starting a podcast isn't that difficult, and my next guest makes it even easier. He talks about his journey of creating a podcast management agency where they handle all aspects of production, including scheduling, editing, and promotion. If you want to learn about the power of podcasting for your brand and how to get started, this episode is for you. Please welcome Elsie Flinard. Elsie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. Hey, glad to have you on. So why don't you kick us off and give us your career backstory? Well, my career backstory in a, in a short version is I grew up in the world of electronics. I was an um, electronics a technician for several years, um, worked my way into electrical engineering, and then toward the end of my corporate career, I was doing operations management. Um, I have always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, I had the plan, even as a teenager, that I was going to go to school because that was important to my mom. Mm-hmm. I was going to get married and then I was going to have a family. And so I'm happy to report that the plan worked. Took a little bit longer than, than I anticipated, <laughs> but here we are. It always does, doesn't it? Yes. We set these plans and then we put a timeline to it. It's like, what am I thinking? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's always longer than expected. So let's break down your corporate world a little bit because I know a lot of our listeners do work for some large corporation or maybe a larger, uh, larger than small business, you could phrase it as. Um, so what were you doing in the corporate world? So I did a, a number of different things when I was younger, um, but when I was still going to school, I, mm-hmm. I have always had at least two jobs. So it was my day job, my side gig and another job. And so sure. I've done everything you can imagine. I've worked fast food. I've done uh, I've swept the bottom of barges. I was a janitor for a short stint. I pull carpet in hotels. I've done a lot of different things, but um, eventually uh, I graduated and I settled into an actual career and I was doing um, electrical engineering work for wastewater treatment plants. Um, okay. And then I started to do some work for utility companies in building and maintaining substations. So um, still electrical um, engineering in nature, but more on the control and design uh, side of the fence. Nice. Okay. And uh, I'm curious, what kind of degree did you go to school for? Um, so I got a couple. So I got an um, electronics engineering technology, which is a two-year degree. Um, sure. But then I went back to school to Southern Illinois University and got a bachelor's degree in electronics. Um, and then nice. later down the line, um, I got an MBA from Carroll University. Gotcha. Okay. Definitely a strong emphasis on electronics there. Yes. Uh, electronic engineering. Okay. So you knew all these years working for uh, larger corporations, you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur. And this is a good place to really spend a lot of our time because a lot of people listening do want to start a business. The question is, what type of business should they start? And how do you take the right steps to take the leap? You know, so let's talk about what kind of business models were you looking at? How did you arrive at what you're doing today? 
Well, I didn't really have a plan, Sean, which is probably why it took me longer than I wanted it to. I just okay. knew I wanted to own my own business. I, I really, to be honest, I, I leaned on my passions, the things that I that I love doing. Um, I'm a singer songwriter. And so mm. that was the first business I started was a, a, a music company where um, your basic label, where you would go out and find artists and help them produce it, their music and promote it out to the world. Um, and naturally, I'm curious, right? When I was um, a, a little boy, I would take apart electronic devices and like tinker with them. Didn't know the first thing about what I was doing, but, you know, I, I would do that as mm -hmm. a kid. And I was also that kid that would create my own board games, right? And do things just that at an early age, you it was apparent that I was an entrepreneur. <laughs> I would make yes. things up and try to figure <laughs> out how to, you know, do it better than what I would seen people do. And so I didn't have uh, again a, a a written plan for uh, for for example, but I, I always knew that there was something. I was always trying to solve a problem. Um, and so again, the first thing I did was kind of leaned on my passions, the thing that the things that I love to do. And I created businesses around those. Got it. Got it. So you started with music. Um, how long did you do that for? Music, probably from around 2003, right? Really until today. Um, I just don't emphasize it as much. Got it. Um, so that was back in the 2003, 2010 range is when I focused on it. Like I would actually travel and, you know, sure. spend a ton of time doing the behind the scenes work and that type of thing. So probably about seven years. Gotcha. Okay. It, it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm, I'm a big fan of music, multiple genres, and I, I do know enough about the industry. It's, it's a lot of work, especially if you're an artist, you're on the road. That's how you make your money. You got to be selling merch. Um, never, uh, after I got wise, I never wanted to do that long term, but I, I can, uh, can respect your motivation to work in that industry. So I'm curious here, what made you stop around 2010? Or I shouldn't say stop, but make the transition to something else. Well, a couple of things. I started to realize that I didn't have the capacity to travel the way mm -hmm. I wanted to. I had started a family at, the, um, yep. at 2007. And so I really started to realize that in order to really make money at this thing, I need to be on the road yes. pretty much 24-7. And I wasn't willing to do that. It was, it was more important to me to be at home raising, you know, my little one and making sure that I'm doing um, mm -hmm. the the daddy part of, yeah. of, of life, right? Because that's the whole point of this whole thing. So without that, none of the other stuff even made sense. And so I, I realized that I needed to figure out how to how to grow my business in a way that was conducive to me being present um, at, at home. Gotcha. That's awesome. I know with with the music industry, and you know more about it than myself, but I've, I've known people who they did tour and they realized that's how you do make your money. If you're not touring, you're not making money because you're not making money on Spotify and people aren't buying CDs in mass anymore. So you got to be selling merch. And in order to do that, you got to be at shows. And I've known guys who leave that industry, that quote unquote glamorous lifestyle of a rock star or a hip hop artist, and they go work for a corporation because it's more stability for their family. Well, I mean, and and the industry has changed so much since mm -hmm. then, which is ironically very similar to how the industry of podcasting is, is shaping up, where very few people are going to get a gazillion downloads, right? Right. But it's about how, how can you build community? How can you 
um, get out there and and get attention and enough attention that you can monetize it. So it's it's ironic how those early days have really shaped what I do now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I can I can totally see the the music background and the audio engineering, electrical engineering leading up to what you're doing today. So so let's really dive into your business model today. You have an agency, correct? Yes. Yeah, if you could talk about that a little bit, and then we'll talk about how the podcast really helps promote that, because we can talk about podcasts a little bit here. It's a great tool, great marketing tool for promoting a business. But anyway, why don't you talk about your agency a little bit? So the agency actually came about sort of on accident. Um, mm-hmm. I was stuck. Uh, like I told you before, I was doing my day job and my side gig for the better part of 10 years, 12 years at the time. Sure. And it, there was just some block, like I couldn't get enough revenue on the side gigs so that I could quit my day job. And I'm like, man, what am I doing wrong? And I just, I just couldn't figure it out. Um, and so one day I'm sitting in my office and looking at my whiteboard and I'm like, man, how can I get this, the, get over this hump? And so what I came up with is um, I was going to start this podcast. At the time it was an internet radio show. And my thought was, is I'll have other shows on my station so we could talk business 24 seven. And that was going to be my education. And so I launched Enterprise Now and things are going well. And one day I run across an actual podcast, not an internet show that's repurposed Mm -hmm. as a podcast, but like a real podcast. I click play, the intro happens and boom, they get right into the content. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. I don't have to wait until the end of the program to actually get what what I clicked play for. And it was straight to the point. It was shorter and it was just, a, um, and it was on demand. Mm-hmm. I searched out the content. So it was what I wanted, when I wanted it and how I wanted it. And so I started doing some research on the podcast industry, where it was and where it was going. And I thought, this is going to be a thing. I think, I think mm-hmm. people are going to want what they want when they want, how they want it. And so I shut down the, the station. I reached out to all of my partners, my sponsors and told them, Hey, we're moving in a different direction. And I focused my attention on getting better as a podcaster and getting good at getting my, my message out. And eventually people started to request to come on my show. Um, I didn't even have to reach out to them anymore. They would pitch to me. And so the show continued to grow and grow and grow. And we started adding services onto um, the podcast because we had already been doing it for the Enterprise Now brand. Um, and so that's how the the business side of it was born. It was not a plan. It was um, what I call strategically random. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't set up and say, okay, I'm going to build a podcast agency. It just sort of happened as a result of me seeing what was out there in the market and then answering a need that was out there. And then right. about two and a half years ago, we rebranded to Podcast Town. And so that's how Podcast Town came into existence. I want to rewind the clocks back a little bit here. When did you really have the foresight that podcasting was going to be a thing. Was that around 2010? That was probably around 2016. It was shortly after I had launched the station. Um, The station had started to take off relatively quickly. I think at the time we were at 15 other shows in addition to my show that was on the station. Um, And so there was a, there was a sharp curve in terms of, all right, people, Mm -hmm. people want a platform to broadcast and amplify their voice. But when I started looking at trends, the on-demand trend, for example, mm-hmm. Netflix wasn't the Netflix we know today. It was around, but it wasn't right. the giant that it is today. So that was a thing that was growing. And I just felt strongly that, that other people are going to want on-demand. 
you know, live is always going to be there. Radio is always going to be radio, but people, there's a need and a yearning for to the point, direct on demand content. And again, I'm, I'm a numbers guy. I just looked at the numbers. I looked at podcasting, how it was steadily increasing year over year over year. And and like I said, I looked at the, the on-demand trend and I said, okay, I think this is something that's worth um, hedging my bets on. That's great. You know, you break down a key takeaway here is you, you just moved forward. You know, you kind of joked at the beginning, you didn't really have a plan. You just wanted to be an entrepreneur. And it's like, if you keep making those steps forward, you run into where the demand is. I've had this conversation with people before is like, if you just sit and think about ideas and plan, you're not going to go anywhere. You got to be moving forward. And that's exactly what you did. And you kind of ran into, Hey, here's where the demand is. You kind of pivot your business model. And now you're serving other people who want their own podcasts. They want to produce, they probably want placements. And so if you could maybe share with the audience, what are some of the specific services you're providing to people who have their own podcasts? Yeah, the best way I can describe it is we're a full service agency that helps every from everything from launching, management, mm-hmm. promotion and marketing, even uh, through sales funnels and driving traffic to your um, podcast website and helping you um, change, convert your audience to paying customers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice, because you're you handle, you know. There's some of the fun parts I call it, which is the promotion and getting the exposure. But some of the non-glamorous parts of podcasting is the editing. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody, if you record an hour long, you got to have somebody edit it. And it is most definitely not an hour to edit that. It takes longer. Yes. And, and that's a service you provide as well. Correct? Absolutely. Because to your yeah. point, that is a, a major pain point. <laughs> a lot of people, <laughs> um, you know, they want to show up and perform. And yeah. that's our, yeah. our, our tagline is we help you show up and perform. They want to have the conversation, but most people don't want to edit a podcast. Neither should they, right? They should spend their time growing their business, building relationships. And so one of the main pain points that we we helped um, to alleviate is the the production and the editing. Gotcha. Okay. So let's dive into your business model a little bit here. You're an agency, which, you know, for listeners out there, it's it's a service business. You don't need a whole lot of hardware to get up and running. You've you've got some some computers, some editing software, you've got a great mic, all that kind of stuff. But for your customers, it's essentially you're providing a service. So you can get up and running pretty quick with this business. So can you give the audience a range of prices you charge if it's monthly, if it's per project, but maybe a high end, low end? That's a loaded question, Sean, because it really depends. Okay. You know, we we try, we don't do as much one-off single episode uh, work um, anymore, right. but generally 400 and up to 3000 just depends sure. on what level of service people want. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've uh, heard price ranges that are very similar, you know, that's very reasonable to have your podcast managed, you know, like, like I was saying before is the editing is one component, but Hey, are people listening? You got to get the promotion done too. You got to get the exposure, um, getting you placed on other podcasts. That's a big part too. Right. (laughs) Um, speaking of, you know, the podcast industry, if somebody wants to start a podcast, you know, probably finding a niche is really, really important. Would you agree? Yes. And ironically, it's kind of a chicken and the egg question. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, do you seek downloads or do you target a niche down? It's like, which one do you do? Right. First? And I always tell people, 
try to focus on the conversion and the quality of listener versus the quantity. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is if you can find a thousand people that are consistently listening, downloading, um, engaging with your content on social and opening and clicking on your emails, and you have a very good chance of monetizing that podcast. If you have a thousand people and they do neither of those things, then you just have a thousand downloads, right? And, and <laughs> you don't have a very good chance of no. monetizing. So I always tell people a targeted niche engaged audience yeah. is more powerful than tons of downloads. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll be asked, hey, how many downloads does your podcast have? And sometimes I'll say, well, I can tell you this, it's definitely less than Joe Rogan. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or, or I'll tell them, and this is the honest response is, I actually have no idea because, and I know you and I have talked about this on previous calls and even on your podcast, it's, it's I look at podcasting is a tool, to, uh, like a, G, a lead gen product. You know, I can get customers introduced to Ticker that don't already know what it is or, um, you know, so I look at it that way or I look at it a networking tool as well. You can, you can get to know people a little better and maybe, you know, help serve their brand or vice versa. So maybe we talk to that a little bit. The importance of not looking at your podcast per se as a revenue generator is probably working with something else like a service or product-based business and use it as a tool to promote that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even if you look at our conversation today, right? I think we've talked, this is the third time. I think we've actually yeah. been on both of my podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's just, it just speaks to the power of the networking aspect mm -hmm. of having a podcast. You know, you meet people and you connect on certain levels and you really just um, it's what I call return on relationship, ROR. You just, it, it keeps giving and giving and, and providing that value. But I think the important part of it is just being aware and leveraging that relationship. And um, to your point, not focusing so much on um, downloads and um, generating revenue, because really what you want is building relationships. Right. And when you get really, really good at that, adding value to people, helping them get what they want, then you stand a really good chance of monetizing your show. Right on. Let's take a quick commercial break. Do you wish you would have bought some stocks earlier? Imagine you had $5,000 to invest. Let's say you bought Amazon stock in 2010. That $5,000 would now be worth over $95,000 today. Let's say you bought Tesla stock in 2013. That $5,000 would now be worth over $220,000 today. And let's say you bought Netflix stock back in 2012. That $5,000 would now be worth over $245,000 today. Do you feel like you find out about opportunities like this way too late? What if you could find great stocks before they become mainstream news? And what if a software found those stocks for you? With Ticker, you can find great stocks before what feels like the rest of the world finds out. No matter if you're a beginner or experienced investor, Ticker will help you find great buying opportunities and get a head start on your wealth building journey. Get started today with a free trial. Visit Ticker.com. That's T-Y-K-R.com. Again, Ticker.com. I've talked to people about building their brands today and I tell you what, one of the best tools is to create some kind of podcast that complements your business. 
And again, it could be a service business or a product business, but it's a need to have. It's it's not a want to have anymore. And utilizing a company like yours, you can really hit the ground running because you can do a lot of that heavy lifting for a business owner. A few people who are, let's say, partners in a business, they can they can get started with relative ease with a business model like yours. It, it, I'll tell a quick story here. So I was talking to a few guys they are starting a a fintech business that's kind of like ticker. It's based out of the UK. And, and they're like, how do you do your content strategy? Or like, who does your podcast? I'm like, well, well I, I do the podcast because I like talking to people, <laughs> you know, one, and I like producing content. And I'm like, guys, if you really want to be serious about building your brand, you got to pick somebody on your team that's going to own it. Like, be the person who's on the podcast and talk to people. And they were both pretty shy about being on the podcast, but it's like, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. How do you, if you're a little introverted and you're a little afraid to maybe start a podcast, how do you overcome that fear? The best advice I would have is to just do it. Um, because, <laughs> because honestly, and, and you hit the nail on the head. If, if you are a business owner um, in 2021 and moving forward, my prediction is that in three years, you will be in the podcast space. Either you're hosting a show, you're guesting on other podcasts, or you're sponsoring a podcast. I mean, it's going to be that big. It's like, you're going to have a website, you're going to have a blog, you're going to yeah. have a, web, a podcast, period. Yeah. So my advice would be, if you're not comfortable on a mic, maybe you just do an audio podcast and, and don't do video, but find somebody on your team, Find some way to be in the audio space because mm -hmm. it, it's going to be that important. And just realize that you're not going to be good when you first start. And that's okay. Right. You'll get yep. better. You get better just like anything else. If you're working out, you don't get better by looking at the weights. You have to lift. Them. <laughs> good and analogy. The first couple of times is going to hurt because you overdid it because you don't know what you're doing and you'll be right. sore. So you have to get some uh, icy hot and rub it. it it's the process. And yep. then eventually you'll get into a rhythm. You'll start to, to learn and you'll start to grow. And you'll be glad that you started. Right on. I love that advice. Before we jump into some of the numbers on your actual business, I actually, when I was, before I started the podcast, and you may have some quick tips here on starting as well, as I actually, I listened to my top five and I actually broke down and wrote word for word their intros, their commercials, their outros, what times they put their, their commercials at. And I put it in an Excel sheet to see how everything compares, like how many words is the intro? How many words is the outro? How long is the commercial? You know, and, and then, of course, you do the research on what mic are they using? What what uh, recording software, which we're using Zoom right now. But I broke down all those, those things so that I, I could actually see what I need to do. And that helped me at least move forward a little more efficiently. It took a lot of homework up front, but it's just, uh, it, it kind of gave me my analytical game plan. It's the same way I look at stocks. <laughs> Some listeners would probably laugh or so like they know I, I love Excel. So um, in your case, how did you, and we already know you have the audio background. So that gives, gives you a great start there. You've got the electrical engineering start. What other mm -hmm. tips helped you get started? Um, the biggest one is again, and this sounds is so not scientific, but I tend to, and again, I call it my strategic randomness. I just started. I just started. Sure. And I, I did like, I'm a former athlete. So in high school, we would, we would watch tape. We would watch recordings of us playing um, games. We would see, oh, okay, we called flex on this play. 
But for whatever reason, it broke down. We, you know, our timing was off or um, or I didn't make sure that the whole team knew what play we were running. So really just looking at the dynamics of your show, both how you are uh, reaching out to potential guests, how you're researching guests, um, because a lot of times that impacts the type of conversation you're able to have um, when you're doing the conversation. What's your crutch word? Mm. Are you taking too much time in certain areas? Like really just listening listening back from a, not being critical, but just analyzing the positive pieces of it and the, the parts that you can get better at. And then just working on those things over and over. And, and eventually you'll get to the point where you have to start getting more and more picky because you're, you've gotten better at the things that you, you've identified uh, as opportunities right. for improvement. Right. I, I love that advice, but I, what I really love is your comment on just do it. It's it's just taking that step forward and and because you learn as you go. And that's exactly, I had to keep that in mind too. When I move forward, I'm like, this is not going to be pretty. It's not going to be polished. I just got to move forward and learn as I go. And I, I did, I did learn. I like to think yes. I did learn, <laughs> <laughs> you know? All right. So let's dive into your business model a little bit here. The agency. So I'm curious, how many employees do you have today? Um, so there are a total of six of us, I believe last time I checked. Um, and we have a really cool combination of full-time part-time. We have some contractors some freelancers. Um, so there's a a, a good little mix of us. Yep. That's a nice healthy balance for a small business. Yep. Um, and, and can you share with us what are your annual revenues looking like? Um, not, not really specifically, but I, I will say I'm, I'm always touting the fact that we were able to 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 hit six figures, so we're we're above that. Um, Good, but I'm not sure that I want to go into specific numbers. That's fine. You know, you're you got a pretty much a service business, a startup here. I'm sure you've got a timeline to potentially hit seven figures someday, and you probably know how to reverse engineer that, so you know how many customers you need at the same time and where you're going. Yes. Um, does seven figures feel like a realistic expectation in the next three to five years? Yes, for sure. I think if things go well, we could approach that this next year, knock on wood, but we'll, sure. we'll have to see how things go. Yep. And that's that's not out of line, actually, because I have talked to other agencies and Although it's a service business, seven figures is achievable, especially with a uh, smaller team like you have, which is great. That's a high revenue per employee slash contractor. And really what I found is people that are doing it, it's it's making sure your business is definitely reoccurring revenue as opposed to project-based. You don't want to bring in a, a podcaster, do a project, turn them around and send them out the door three months later. It's like you want to get them on board, get them engaged for the long term. And yep. And I know your business is structured that way. Yeah. And one thing I'll add to Sean is um, really understanding your numbers is important. Mm-hmm. Like I could tell you how many episodes we need to produce at what rate in order to hit that number. Right. Yes. Um, I know uh, I could tell you um, not exactly, but I could give you a really close number on how much mm-hmm. it costs me to produce the episode. Right. And I know my margins and I know, OK, if if I have a trouble client that has um, a lot of re- rework. All right. This at this amount, then we start to eat. <laughs> we don't yes. like to eat. <laughs> you know, so so I think it's important to really understand your numbers and know, OK, um, this and again, this goes back to to really understanding who is the right fit to work with, right. um, because that'll save you time and it'll save you money in the long run. Because when you I say hire clients, 
that are not the right fit, it ends up costing you money in the long run. Um, right. So I would say <clears throat> knowing your numbers, knowing exactly how much it, it's costing you, right? Labor, um, any operational costs, things like that, software you use, um, yeah. overhead, all that, having those uh, figures and understanding, all right, if we're going to scale, that means my team of five would need to become a team of X or whatever yes. it is. And you're factoring that into your growth so that you're not growing too fast. And then you get to the point where you lose a couple of clients and now you have to backtrack and, you know, let people go and mm-hmm. um, do all those uncomfortable things because you didn't really account for uh, the scaling in, in terms of labor right. in, your, um, in your plan. Smart. Yeah. I love that. When you break down the numbers to understand how you scale economically, that's that's smart. I want to talk about something funny here you just alluded to is picking the right clients. Yes. And I've heard this with many people who have a, a higher ticket business model, which is service business, I would consider that. Whereas ticker is, is a B2C SaaS, lower lower price point, closer in line with like a Netflix, but with a service business like yours, if you find the right client and you understand their their personality, they become fun to work with, they're profitable, but there's a flip side of that equation um, where you can get in, get in deep with the wrong customer. Can you share some red flags you look for that can disqualify somebody from working with you? Man, I'm going to give away my secrets. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't have to share too much here if you don't want to. (laughs) I'll say if, you, because entrepreneurs and business owners have what we call a gut. Yes. And sometimes you just know. So my first piece of advice would be to listen to that because there have been times where I knew, I knew that this client was going to be uh, what we call uh, a, a PETA tax. They were going to to inquire, inquire the, the PETA tax, pain in the, you, uh-huh. you finished the rest. <laughs> but I went for it anyway. And sure enough, they were. So I would say, firstly, follow your gut, follow your first mind, because that that will lead you correctly every single time. The other thing I would say is if they are bent on going outside of your process, that's an indication that they probably are not a good fit for you. For example, if you want clients to submit files to you via an upload link and they just they don't want to do it that way, they want to email the link. It's not a huge red flag, but that's an indication that, okay, this person, they're going to constantly, because naturally you've built this process the way you have for a reason, because it's efficient, because now your people know where to go to get things and et cetera. So that's one of the things that I've found um, in in my um, presentation and onboarding. We talk about, okay, here's how the process Mm -hmm. goes. Here's how we do things. So one, one, I won't say red flag, maybe that's an orange flag. Mm-hmm. is if they don't want to follow your process, that's probably not going to work. If they don't respect your boundaries, they're emailing you on Sunday and Saturday and you're closed on the weekend. Right. And they just give you a sense that they want you to prioritize them over everything else that you're doing. It's probably a red flag because if you sign them on as a client and now they're paying you money, that's going to get worse. I love Other it. red flags, if they try to negotiate your price before you've even signed them up, yep. probably not good <laughs> because they don't value what you what you do. Um, so I'll, I'll stop there. I think those are three really good ones if you see those three things run. Gold mine and not just for, you know, a podcast agency. I look at those three and I would I actually call them definitive red flags. You can apply those to <laughs> 
any business. I am all about respecting the process. And if people try contacting me on weekends, heck no. <laughs> you know, I've got, I've got hobbies, family, friends, whatever. And if, and people need to know, like, yeah, you, you don't become a priority over those things. And then, um, and then negotiating the price, Are you kidding me? Come on, understand the value first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. That's great. Elsie. I love it. Well, here's another good question before we jump into the rapid fire round. This one deals with emotions. So building a business, the life of an entrepreneur, it can be uh, an emotional experience. So how do you manage your emotions? That is a fantastic question. I think I have over the years gotten better at compartmentalizing Mm -hmm. and separating my business emotion from my LZ emotion um, such that if I have a bad day at work, it doesn't carry over at home. It's still there. Like I know that, okay, the next day I'm going to have to deal with this stuff, but I don't let it bring, I don't let it seep or creep over. Um, the other thing I, I do is I know I love Marvel movies. And so whenever a Marvel movie's out, I go see it. And sometimes I'll even go on a Tuesday during work hours and just get my popcorn, my hot dog and my drink and escape for a couple of hours. Um, And so I think finding that thing or things that um, allow you to sort of escape um, is extremely important. And the other thing is I try to get as much sleep as I possibly can. And Mm -hmm. on Sunday, which is my my day off, I don't work. I don't answer email. I do not work. (laughs) Some Saturdays I do. But on Sunday, that's my day. I literally sit on my chair. And I literally put my feet up and watch TV. That's amazing. I, I think just really having that time away um, helps a lot. Additionally, I would say don't take things personally and or too seriously. Right. Because I love my business. I love what I do. But at the end of the day, it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is my family and that I'm present and healthy and 100% for them. And anything that diminishes that or takes away from that, then we have to check that at the door. Yeah. Great advice. Thank you for sharing. I can agree with everything you just said there. That's awesome. All right. Let's have some fun here with a rapid fire round. So this is the part of the podcast where we get to find out who LZ really is. You alluded to uh, Marvel movies. We're going to get to a movie question in a moment. But uh, if you could try to answer each question in 15 seconds or less. You ready? I'm ready. All right. What is your favorite podcast? Entrepreneur on Fire. John Lee Dumas. Yep. Yep. I've heard of it. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? Well, technically I'm still reading, but I'm reading um, Profit First, uh, Mike McCallum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have the book on my shelf. I actually just picked it up. Nice. Yep. All right. Favorite movie. That's a hard one. Favorite movie. I'm going to have to go with Black Panther. Great film. I'm excited for the sequel. Coming out yes. is is it is it this summer? Has it been pushed back to fall? I can't recall. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I just it for a lot of reasons. It was just a, a fantastic movie. So I, I would have to say that's my face. Awesome, good choice. All right, what is your favorite food? Um, burger. Simple. Yep. All right. <laughs> How many hours do you work per week? Uh, I try not to work more than fifty. Okay, that's healthy. Yeah. I'll hear some people say sixty, seventy. 80. And that's when I kind of cringe a little bit because you do uh, dip into uh, your life there a little bit. Yeah. I used to work 80 hours a week, but it almost killed me. So I stopped. Yeah. 
<laughs> Good call. <laughs> All right. You mentioned sleep. I got to hear the actual number here. How many hours do you sleep each night on average? I need about six to seven. Okay. I expected more. You said you get good sleep. But but again, I'm, a, I'm more of a quality over quantity type person. Okay. So I need six to seven quality hours. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I can get behind that. <laughs> um, and what is your workout regimen? Um, it's not as good as I would like, but um, I typically like high intensity, shorter uh, workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do a ton of cardio, so I'll do, um, you know, three to five sets of something right upper, middle and lower. And then um, with about 60 seconds to 90 seconds break in between mm-hmm. and then uh, call it good. Um, and then a little bit of cardio, jump rope, uh, treadmill, that type yep. of thing. You were an athlete and I think you alluded to you were a football player. Is that correct? Basketball. Basketball. Got it. So, yeah, I, I could see that. So with the, you know, sometimes you can phrase it as hit training, high intensity interval training. Are you doing anything like plyometrics or are you doing CrossFit or? No, not, know, that, not that intense. Um, more low, low weight, high reps. Yes. Yep. Nice. I'm, I'm pretty similar. Cool. All right. And now the last question is the time machine question. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? (laughs) That's a great question. What age? I would go back to my 13-year-old self, 13 right before I started high school. So 13, 14. Mm -hmm. And I would say, choose wisely. And go for it. Nice. Simple. I like it. That's what I would say. I I wouldn't give myself specifics because I know me. Then I would like start doing research on the specifics and then I would screw everything up. So I would just keep it simple. I would say choose wisely and go for it. Go hard. You you know enough about your younger self. Wise man. (laughs) Just give them (laughs) enough. Give them enough to give them the edge. Yes. That little, little kick. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, I'll turn it over to you. Where can the audience reach you? Yes, the easiest way is email, um, mayor at podcasttown.net. And they could go to the website, podcasttown.net. Perfect. Easy peasy. All right, Elsie, I really appreciate your time. This is great. All righty. Thank you so much. I had a blast. All right. See ya. Bye. Hey, I just want to say thanks for checking out this podcast. I know your time is valuable and there's a lot of other podcasts out there you could be listening to. So thanks for taking the time to listen to my guest's story. If you did enjoy this podcast episode, could you head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review? That would be much appreciated. Thank you. And last but not least, on this podcast, uh, some episodes we do talk about stocks. And please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So if you did hear any buy or sell recommendations, please don't make those decisions based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks a lot. See ya.